You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and today I have Dennis Gussie on the show with us, who's going to give us a primer on selling to state and local government. Dennis, welcome to the show. Hey, Asher, I'm excited to be here. Fantastic, man. So tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are, Dennis. So I'm currently the director of Secure Intelligent Cloud Strategy for Microsoft State and Local Government Practice. Uh, But before joining Microsoft almost 13 years ago, uh, I spent almost 10 years in state and local government at the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania at the Attorney General's office there. Uh, where I led a team that was responsible for information and, and document uh, management inside that office. Fantastic. So we have not had anybody on this show talk about selling to state and local government. And, uh, and that's why I'm excited to have you here today. So can you give us some an idea of like how does one sell to state and local government? Do you even sell to state and local government? Do you have, or you have to partner with them? Like, how does that world work? Yeah, so so state and local government, and I'll, I'll say regulated customers in general, but state and local government customers specifically uh, are one of the most challenging segments of customers to sell to. And I can say that having been on the other side of the table and having had to deal with vendors and, and partners like Microsoft, like myself, and, and the role that I'm in now, uh, and the the biggest challenge with state and local government uh, customers is it really comes down to things like budget and opportunity and availability uh, of of the ability to to have the right resources at the right time to implement the right types of solutions. So state and local government, especially now in the world of of technology, is battling the likes of the Microsofts and the Googles and Amazons and IBMs, et cetera, of the world that are out there for technical talent. So one of the biggest challenges that uh, that we face in interacting with customers in state and local government is not just landing the message of how our technology can help them transform, but it's it's really about do they have resources that can help them implement these new technologies, these new capabilities. So it gets every time I hear state and local government or anything to do government, to me it's like lots of red tape, like like I don't know, forty eight month sales cycles. Again, I've never done it. So, so I don't know, but yeah. if let's say, let's take one of like the sales processes, uh, uh, or maybe one of the sales deals that you've done from both sides and help people understand like, mm-hmm. Hey, if you were a new salesperson starting to think about state and local government, like here, here's how the system works. Yeah, that that's, that's actually a, a great question. Great point. Uh, in the world of commercial, if you're a commercial company and you're interested in buying something, you say, I see that, I like that, I'm going to just procure that. Uh, and it's, you know, purchase order, credit card, there's any number of, of options. In state and local government, you you have a number of different processes that, I don't want to say work against you, just they make that the ability to just execute a transaction far more difficult. So 
one of the most common practices in state and local government is that customers, even if they see something, they like something, oftentimes they have to do things like put something out for bid. They can't just go and evaluate something and determine that that's the right technology for them. They've got to go through a process to put something out for a bid. So that just alone, understanding that when you're having a conversation with a state and local government customer, your conversation may not result in you being able to execute a transaction until they've completed that process. That's why companies like Microsoft and, and other companies work to get their technology onto some type of contract with a customer, which is the second tier of, of challenges is that that contracting avenue. So when you have a vendor like Microsoft or even partners who want to help implement solutions, they often have to be under some contracting term, some contracting vehicle for you to be able to execute a transaction. So if I'm working with the, the state local town of Dennis, you know, and, and I, I've had a great conversation with them about how they can secure their environment using, you know, Microsoft's cloud technologies. If I don't have the right type of contracting vehicle in place, does it matter that they want it? Does it matter that they have budget for it? They simply can't execute that transaction. So if somebody's selling to state and local government, if somebody's creating a product that they want to deliver and distribute and, and make available to state and local government, they want to be able to, to sell that product to them as a customer. One of the most significant hurdles you face is how do you actually execute that transaction? Uh, and, and I mean, you make a, a great point in, in bringing that up. It is probably the single biggest blocker on a day-to-day -day basis uh, for customers who do want, like they see something they need, we've established the value in, in that product, and they simply can't execute because there's not the right terms and conditions in place for them to be able to do that. So let's say, so I'm taking away, there's a bidding process, right? Because they have to be fair and open and to everybody, right? Then I'm, mm -hmm. there's a selection process. Then there is a contracting process. Then what happens after that? Like, is the, the state and local government buy SaaS? Um, uh, or you have to rebid every single year? Do you do multi-year deals? So it again, it's, it's, a, it's a great question because it, it doesn't have a, a single answer. And again, it's part of the confounding challenge of, of working with state and local government. You are often bound by procurement rules and procurement policies uh, and or procurement law, depending on which of, of those is applicable for the customers you work with. So there are some cities, for example, that I work with where they can't execute a contract that lasts more than one year at a time. I work with other customers and they're in, and again, this typically varies by state uh, because there's typically some procurement laws that flow down. Uh, from the, the state level, even down to the local and regional government and how they execute contracts. Uh, I have some customers where they can only execute a five-year contract and where a lot of vendors like Microsoft or Amazon or Google typically will, will look at three-year contracts as kind of the, the standard operating. So when it comes to, you know, they've made that acquisition, they've, you know, a contract is in place, then those procurement laws and rules kick in in terms of what that cycle looks like to continue to keep that product, that process, that, that capability running with customer, it starts with the procurement rules. It starts with the procurement laws, but you also have scenarios in which a customer, uh, when they put something in, in uh, an RFP form, for example, they might include in there uh, some level of, again, I'll call them terms and conditions that indicate that every two years, every four years, every six years, whatever it might be, 
that a rebid process has to happen for you to be able to maintain that business. So a lot of the, the terms are dictated by what was the, the upfront terms and conditions in which that, you know, that, that uh, contract, that uh, execution took place, whether it was an RFP or you know, they, they procured under a regular contract. And then from there, it's are there other procurement laws, policies, requirements that you have to align to? Uh, that's why one of the most important things when you are working inside of state and local government, the, one of the biggest pieces of advice I give is to know your customer. And knowing your customer isn't just knowing their name and putting their seal or logo into a presentation and you know, learning someone's name at the, the, the customer and, and saying that name throughout the meeting so you feel that connection. You know, typical you know, sales style conversational delivery. It's knowing how you'll be able to transact with that customer because if you can't transact with them why are you spending two hours four hours a week working with them to get them to understand that the the technology or the offering that you have if you don't have an execution vehicle at the end of it that's almost your mo most important thing to, to think of front is if you are successful do you have a path forward uh and and, and from there for me it's always outcomes i'm i'm an outcome oriented person the outcome, you know, being an executed transaction means I need to tie that to a purchasing vehicle. And in state local government, that's almost first. Uh, getting the customer to agree to the, the use of the product is almost second. So, okay. So, so there's a bidding process. There is a contracting vehicle process. There are terms and conditions. This sounds very similar to commercial sales, right? Um, now, tell us about, like, like, you know, in commercial sales, there's a lot of times there's the security process that you have to go through where there is this infosec process that comes into play. And then there's like security clearance and data privacy and all this stuff. I'm assuming all of those things are escalated even further high, um, uh, higher because of the nature of who you're dealing with. And so that entire process of getting passed through security and information security and privacy and all that stuff that that's that's huge but or my my sense says that the contracting vehicle already has that taken care of for you of, of it for you so so you're you're right uh, in in two ways so one everything that that uh, typical customers deal with in terms of uh, their their needs as it relates to regulatory compliant uh, gets amplified in state local government because they uh, each state, for example, has an infosec policy that typically has to get followed. Right. That infosec policy might be tied into uh, some federal regulatory compliance requirements as well. So inside the contracting, you often have some levels of of uh, association with the types of security and capabilities that you have that that you inside of your environment. It's often related to what you are contractually agreeing to meet. I will provide X amount uh, of capabilities. I'm going to align it uh, to these types of, of services. If there's a breach or anything like that, it's going to get aligned in, in terms of what's the, the process for notification. All those things are built in the contract terms and conditions. But when it comes to landing an opportunity with a state and local government customer, you have a myriad of security attestations or compliance and regulatory requirements that you have to meet. Things like IRS 1075 or HIPAA or CGIS uh, are examples of just some of the, the many that we have to meet. And then you also have to then connect to 
depending on whatever state you're talking to, and even if it's a local government uh, within a state, meeting that statewide security policy and mapping what your technology does to align to that. So it is, it's a mix of the, the contractual obligations, but uh, even at a, at a higher level, it's demonstrating that your product will not take them out of some level of compliance. And with a lot of customers, it's not just one attestation. It's, I need four or five things. I, need, I might store CJIS data in here. I might store IRS 1075 data. I might store HIPAA data. Uh, I might store, uh, you know, uh, PII, personal identifiable information or FTI data, all in the same environment. So I have to check all those boxes uh, with one delivery of an application or a service. Got it. So it sounds like like a, a lot of this, uh, let's call it framework, is similar to uh, a commercial sale, as we call it, except for the contracting vehicle. So let's dive into this contracting vehicle because... This seems very interesting, and mm-hmm. and and tell us a little bit about that. So the the contracting vehicle is in in that process is is again at least in in my experience is one of the more unique processes that happen. So the 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 contracting execution itself typically goes out for some type of bid. So licensing service providers go through a process where they try to outbid each other. For the ability to help vendors like Microsoft, partners like Microsoft, execute transactions with these customers. So even at its at its basis, it's a competitive process that goes through bidding. Once there, when you when you get into that that licensing service provider uh, ability to be able to go and execute a transaction, you then have to negotiate the the products and and services that will be on that contract. So. I've had customers where for two years, there have been negotiations back and forth, line item by line item of the, the products and capabilities that exist so that if somebody wants to turn on something like Office 365, for example, they want to buy a license of uh, Office 365, that license and all of the very particulars about that license, and if anybody knows Microsoft, they know we have a lot of products and a lot of licensing that goes with those products. Every single SKU, every single line item has to go through a process where it's included in that, that contracting vehicle so that it can be executed. And if it was associated with an RFP, your RFP response typically has to be precise with the exact SKUs that will exist. And one of the challenges, at least in, in, in the world of cloud, is cloud's evergreen. So it's, it's constantly evolving and growing. New capabilities are becoming available. And as such, vendors like Microsoft, partners like Microsoft are going to add new SKUs, new capabilities. So that's one of the other uh, significant challenges is if somebody's working with a state local government customer and they're delivering services that have that continual growth and the growth oftentimes might mean change in licensing or, or licensing options, uh, that becomes a challenge. So, you know, a customer might have something that is, you know, their contract was just negotiated a year ago but we already have a new SKU available for a new capability that didn't exist a year ago, and we have to go through an amendment process. Then you, again, you're back to lawyers and lawyers, lawyers on one side, lawyers on the other, negotiating an update to the contract. Sometimes that's done in a day. Sometimes it takes another three months just to be able to uh, sell, you know, a, a customer five licenses or something. So then, I guess as a salesperson, right, or 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 as as a sales leader, even in your role, right, like. 
like, or I guess maybe the better way to look at this is if I was going to do start selling into sales, state and local government, who are some of the people that I need on my team as dedicated roles to support me? Yeah, the the way that I would I would say that is is I, I hate to say lawyer <laughs> lawyer up, but <laughs> but really it it's not necessarily that you you have to be able to approach this from a legal aspect. But what often happens is is there there are scenarios in which state local government customers typically want to execute some type of terms and conditions, and they'll include indemnifications, they'll include penalties, they'll include those types of things. So typically. That means that somewhere there's going to be somebody, you know, on the legal side who has to review and make sure that that's appropriate uh, based on whatever service or transaction you're trying to execute with that. Uh, and and a lot of state and local government customers, they have a process that's designed to, of course, protect themselves and give them the ability if they they can't continue to execute that uh, that contract, they have out clauses and the different things that exist there. Those are things that, from a support perspective, you really need the ability to have either some baseline terms and conditions that you want to execute a transaction associated with uh, and, and you know, be able to go from there. Most uh, partners, most solution providers will partner uh, with a, one of the, the common or well-known licensing service providers so that they can execute transactions through them. It, it lessens the burden on them to be able to accomplish this task. So you know, uh, vendors like CDWG, for example, and that's just one of, I'm not endorsing them, it's just one of many vendors, SHI, et cetera, that, you know, that exist and that partner with state local government customers. A lot of times you will, you might partner up and instead of you necessarily having somebody on just on your team, you're connecting with resources on those teams to help you be able to, you know, deliver uh, and execute a transaction with that customer. That's oftentimes in state and local government, the, the fastest entry point, especially if somebody is trying to bring new technology uh, and, and new capabilities to state and local government customers, their fastest go-to-market strategy is to help deliver that through existing contracts a, a customer might have through an SHI or CDWG or similar type of, of organization. Wow. I feel like we need to have a master class with you. <laughs> <laughs> it. It sounds complicated, and yeah. sometimes it is complicated, but it, it is one of those things like the at the end of the day, the, the biggest challenge is making sure that, like I said, that you understand the, the, the customer and their position. If you are working with a certain, a certain state or a certain local customer, one of the things you would try to learn early on is, do you have a licensing service provider? Do you have a contract you know, with, with somebody? And that might be your avenue to, to say one of the things you're going to do in addition to talking to that customer is saying, hey, if th this customer's licensing service provider is SHI, for example, let me connect my team with SHI's team. And sometimes your team is you. And, and yep. you know what I mean? Sometimes it is just yep. you. And you're making those contacts with, with that org and, and working through a process with them. But I have lots of friends who, uh, you know, have worked with startups and things like that. And that has been their fastest entry point in-state local government is creating those relationships with those licensing service providers. And then from there is, is basically jumping on top of the contracts that they have executed with the customer makes that transaction a lot easier uh, and a lot smoother. But yeah, it, it's definitely one of those things you could probably spend two, three hours talking about this topic, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. But it sounds like, like um, there is some value in doing business with the state and local government 
Um, is there some anything like an incumbent advantage, like sometimes you have in like large enterprise companies? Yeah, I mean, so so a couple things to think about in in terms of the advantages in selling to, to state and local government is, for the most part, I mean, you you have you have a a customer base that isn't going anywhere. So when you're when you're selling to commercial organizations, and look, I'm I'm not saying you know companies are here today, gone tomorrow, but yep. it is one of those things where it's a little bit more volatile. State government isn't going anywhere. It's a consistent constant that will exist probably and outlast all of us. So from that perspective, it starts with that, where there's that baseline, there's always going to be that that need uh, for, for technology and, and capability. The other is 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 that while their their budgets are unpredictable, they are still fairly stable. So you've you've got a, a customer who isn't going to be swayed by some change in market or because today somebody likes you know, product A compared to product B, the, the, the entirety of your, your business model completely has transformed. There's a lot of very specific consistency that exists even at that baseline budgeting level. So in, in working with and creating solutions that, that work with uh, state local government customers, you, you can establish that, that core baseline there. And, and one other thing that I, I think is, is worth pointing out, especially right now, there's a, a significant amount of funding that both in the CARES Act and the most recent relief funds that have come out that are specifically earmarked for state and local government technology and security improvements. So you've got a, a specific bucket of dollars that this customer base is, is incentivized to leverage to improve their overall experiences, environments, and capabilities which means if you do have a product that is worthwhile, that does have a benefit for, for that customer or for the citizens that they serve, you've got a real significant opportunity, especially over the next few years because of that funding. So it definitely sounds to me that when companies think about state and local government, they have to think of the long term because you're not going to do this a, in a short sprint. You are, have to be equipped and staffed properly to to make your foray into this world. And then you have to be competent in, in, uh, in your human resources to be able to deliver that. And, and I'm assuming all the human resources that deliver on that value also has to go through security clearance and all these other things that kind of have, that you just need. So I'm assuming that when you deal with SLG, they will say, they will ask you to tell them who's going to be working on their systems, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so that you're you're one hundred percent correct. Uh, and in fact, a lot of people who uh, talk to me about maybe you know joining Microsoft, for example, and they're interested in joining state local government, one of the first things that I tell them is this is not a, a segment of customers in which you can expect to just walk in, say that you've got a great product, show them a product, and expect to walk out the door with an executed contract in hand. It is very much a, a long game in terms of working with the, those customers. And in fact, the most successful resource, I've spent 13 years, 13 plus years at Microsoft and have won all kinds of awards and all the different things that, that go with being effective in sales. And the only way that I've gotten there and the only way that people who are successful in selling in state and local government are ones who recognize that these are not microtransactions that are happening uh, you know in in minutes and seconds it's 
months and years to be able to execute those. But once you do, once you've got that trust, that baseline, that connection, you're there. When it comes to the resources that might go in and help a customer implement, you're you're absolutely right. There's uh, processes that typically will take place that are at some levels of, of clearance. It doesn't mean that everybody needs super top secret clearance and yep. uh, you know that they've met with three letter agencies to, to go through a process. But it does mean that you typically have to meet some baseline uh, level of security protocols and security principles. In state and local government, one of the most common things is, is going through a, a traditional like CGIS style background check. Uh, it's, you know, you don't have felonies, things like that. Those are the most common things that if you're, in, you know, putting somebody in place, sitting inside the customer to help deliver something, those are usually the, the types of things to be concerned about. But, you know, again, you made a, a super strong point and I cannot emphasize if anybody remembers anything from this conversation, if you're going to sell to state and local government, if you're going to connect with state and local government, it is not a single transactional type of conversation. You have to demonstrate and actually be willing to spend time selling to this customer base uh, and knowing that it's going to be a months and years type of transaction and not, uh, you know, hours, days, minutes type of transaction. Well, Dennis, this has been a great conversation. Thank you for educating us. I'm sure once people listen to this podcast, they'll have more questions. And so if people had more questions, um, how what would be the best way for them to connect with you? The best way is uh, if, you, if they go to aka.ms uh, slash Dennis Guzzi, D-E-N-N-I-S-G-U-Z-Y. Uh, that'll take them directly to my LinkedIn profile. I feel like it's easier than, than trying to spell out all oh. the LinkedIn stuff. Yeah, but uh, yeah, aka.ms slash Dennis Guzzi uh, is, is one of the, the best ways to get a hold of me. Uh, I also have a, a, a blog site that I run, uh, AzureNinjas.com, uh, that has a bunch of different articles, videos, things like that, and, and uh, even some, again, some podcasting and some stuff that we do up there. Uh, either one of those has the ability to connect to me if they, they had any questions or just wanted to reach out. Fantastic. Now, we always ask people who are on the show to give a virtual high five to three other folks who they believe are excellent or, or that they respect and go to market and data science uh, because that's a way for you to leave your legacy with us. And so who would be two or three other people that you would recommend that is? So I, I definitely have a couple people. Uh, one is John Kelbley, who is one of the most brilliant people that I get a chance to work with uh, at Microsoft. John Kelbley is a global black belt uh, on our Windows virtual desktop. Uh, side of the house, but he's just brilliant in security and Windows Virtual Desktop and and I swear all things technology. Uh, another is Dean Iacovelli, who is uh, a security director within our state and local government practice. Dean has a, a, a really uh, long storied career in security and, and modern work and collaboration. And is again, is just one of those brilliant resources. I've helped develop a lot of strategies and go to market was one of the originators of bringing uh, cloud solutions in Microsoft to our state and local government customers. Fantastic. Well, we will reach out to them, invite them to the show to further educate our audience. And so once again, thank you for uh, joining us this morning and giving us a primer on state and local government. I sure as heck learned a lot and uh, best of luck to you on your journey. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, 
please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.